Welcome, and thanks for joining us for A Word from the Park, sermons offered by leaders of the Park Avenue Christian Church in New York City. So today, as I mentioned in the welcome, I really would love for us to reflect on what it means both to be just so grateful for all God has done and for moments just like what you just gave us, where it is so palpably clear that God is present. And then there are other moments when it's not so clear to us. How do we train ourselves for that? And I want to turn to that story that we heard today from 1 Samuel. It's powerful. I hope that that intro I gave you helped you so that you could see yourself written into that story. But as I hone in a little bit, I just, I wish I knew her name, but we know the name of her son, the woman who gave birth after this terrible slaughter. But the son's name is Ichabod, which means, woe the glory. Woe the glory. And last week we talked about the sons of Eli, her husband Phineas, and his brother. We talked about the sons of Eli and their wickedness. And then in today's text, those guys have died, along with so many others. And the Ark of the Covenant, the holy dwelling place of the name of God, that's been stolen from the people. And I can't underscore for you enough just how devastating that would have been to the Hebrew people. The ark, as they believed it, that was the place that they knew that they could look and know that Elohim, the great I Am, would be present. They knew God was there. They weren't clear where God was otherwise, but they knew God was there. And that's why when the ark came into the camp, you remember how the, what happened? There was a great shout. They were so excited. The earth shook. And the shout of the people put this opposing group, the Philistines, on notice. And the Philistines saw the power that this holy dwelling place of God had on the people. And they resolved to rip it from God's covenant people, assuming that the power of God resided in that ark. But without the ark, the people became knocked off balance. They were helter-oriented. They didn't know up from down, left from right. They lost their grounding. And in that space, they were vulnerable. Whoa, the glory. In spiritual terms, we call such moments of spiritual disorientation times of darkness, and everyone has them. Those times when we don't know up from down or light from dark or left from right ourselves. And it's a dark spiritual night because it's so dark that we can't see in front of us. We don't know where to turn, and we don't know where to find God in those times. Now, as before I continue, I just want to say that my great assumption, anytime I talk about darkness, is that there is something profound about darkness. There is something, an invitation in the dark. And yet, 
many of us don't know what to do when we get there. Now, San Juan de la Cruz wrote beautifully about this. You may have heard of him in English. We, call, we say San, Saint John of the Cross. But he wrote beautifully about our soul's dark night. And in his writings, he talked about a form of what he called spiritual immaturity, which leans and lends itself to harmful spiritual vulnerability. So the immature spirit is really open to danger and harm. And here's how I would sum up what he talks about in his teachings. When you have a formula for how you will encounter the Most High God, one day it will turn out that your formula will not work. And when it does, when this happens, you will descend into darkness. It will feel like you are falling and that you can't find your footing and you will not be able to find your way. Now, what do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean, Pastor? Let me tell you. I'm going to give you a little example because you may know this. And it's kind of weird for me to talk about it here where we have such incredible music. But as you know, there are some ways that we just have to hear God, like we have to hear it in a particular song that is sung in a particular way. It might be that we have to hear and know about the presence of God in the organ, just hearing it there. Some people, and I hear from them when they come and visit, they're like, I love your church, but uh, I need to hear the organ more. I'm not coming back. Or I have to hear the organ in a particular way. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to come back. Or I need to hear a particular crescendo in the sermon. Or even if the words are right, I just still don't know about that God was present. We do this. I do it too. Because it feels so good in those moments. Those feelings of being connected and, and that sort of tingle factor that they even research. Where we feel it in our bones that, yes, there is something incredible happening. That is worship, we say. But I want you to know that feelings last all of six seconds. That's like true. And if our relationship with God is about a feeling and we only get that for six seconds, do you see how that's not quite right? It's not gonna help us because we have many seconds in a day and in a lifetime. We have this. St. John calls this inclination that I know we all have particularly dangerous because sometimes what winds up happening is that when we have that formula for how we're going to encounter God, we go to places where we really and desperately need spiritual nourishment and to pull off those markers of worship that we need for our experience of God. But what happens is we wind up in these places and they don't feed us spiritually. We get the feeling for that six seconds. Maybe we get it once or twice. But in that time, they've had a chance to get in our heads. And when you go in there and you had some great music, but you wind up leaving thinking that you hate yourself, what has that done? That doesn't serve God's purposes. In my sense, is that's the same thing that happened to God's covenant people when they lost the ark. They had imagined God contained to that space, to that experience of the ark so much that they had made the mistake of thinking that God 
lived there alone, and that God had left the building and abandoned them to their invaders, which, by the way, can never take place. God can't leave the building if God is always present, right? Come on in. You're welcome. Don't worry. (laughs) Just take a seat. You're welcome. But this God, our God, the only God, will never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. But you've got some work to do, and we all do. Remember, when the people saw the ark, there was such a loud shout that it put the enemy on notice. That energy and that strength was dangerous to a foe, so the people, the Philistines, sought to destroy it. They didn't like that energy, and as they fought against them, and they did have powerful swords, the people lost so many. Death after death, woe the glory. But you know what? If they had been ready, if they had been attuned to this vulnerability, if they'd trusted God's power and God's strength to show up no matter what, to show up in any place, if they'd expected God's wisdom and God's love and God's power to overcome any cunning enemy, then they would have known Yes, there's power in the shout. It might shake the earth. But let me tell you about the strength in the silence. It's our job, especially when times are good, to learn the strength of the silence. When we're in these dark moments where it feels like we're falling and everything is cascading, to be able to say, yes, I am falling backwards, but there is someone who will always catch me, who's with me on that journey. I may fall, but I will not hit the ground. And this, folks, is our superpower. But it doesn't come with any kind of wishy-washy faith where you set the conditions for how God will act with you, act within you. It doesn't work. It's a discipline that we work at every single day. Being ready means learning to experience God as entirely unshakable, not in moments or formulas or feelings, but in the ever-present reality that while everything else is in flux, which it is right now, isn't it? God's reality is so steady. And this is what we mean when we say that when everything else changes, God doesn't change. This is what we mean when we say that God is the same when yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You don't know that phrase? God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In so far as that means that God is present both now and always, that's your North Star when you can't see anything else. St. John and so many others teach us that the only way out of the dark night, the only way to find our peace in the disorienting darkness, is to fix on the Lord. 
to, all, to fall back into the always welcome embrace of your God. Or as so many people like to put it, to surrender. And when we do, when we set aside our formulas, when we tear down the walls, oh, we can transition from Ichabod, oh, woe the glory, to yes, oh, the glory. In those dark spaces, God will bathe us in resplendence. So surrender your expectations. Make your weeping for it spends the night. But remember that your joy is present too. Oh, the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. We're glad you could join us for A Word from the Park. Please follow us for more episodes and tell your friends and loved ones how they too can hear A Word from the Park. You can also find us at www.parkavenuechristian.com.